Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us this Friday evening. So last night I was watching the debate and tweeting because that's my, you know, job, I guess, at this point. And uh, I ha I've just been on this road trip. And when I was in Colorado, I bought a growler of this really amazing beer and I brought it back and it was going to go flat. So I ended up drinking a lot of that growler of beer. And I thought, you know, as I'm watching this between frustrated and angry and rolling my eyes and laughing and just marveling at the absurdity of the fact that we have, um, you know, a child as a president who had to have his mic mute, his mic muted because we had no other way of having something even remotely looking like a debate. Um, anyway, I decided that uh, we should have a, a little discussion about how people debate how it's actually supposed to go when you have candidates debating each other. So there's an actual structure to winning and losing debates. There's a, um, there's a process for this. It's something I had to learn when I was a candidate and it's not just preparing on policy, but you have to like get your answers into two minutes precisely. And you have to know which points you want to hit. And it's, it's actually really hard. I sucked at debates and I got better over the course of time, but that's because I had the help of a really incredible debate coach who um, is going to join us momentarily. He has coached Hillary Clinton. He has coached uh, tons and tons of candidates all across the country at every level of government and or every level of office. And um, we're just gonna talk about debating and uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation. Um, okay, so thanks for joining me on uh, short notice. I really appreciate you being able to do it today. Heck yeah, glad to, glad to be yeah. here. Yeah. Um, so I did a little bit. I recorded a little bit of an intro already, but let me okay. let me do let me do the official one. Um, so I'm very excited to be joined today by John Neffinger, um, who is a communications and political strategist that specializes in preparing speakers for high stakes public appearances, including me in my very first debates uh, that I ever did. Um, he's prepared hundreds of candidates and advocates at all levels for interviews, speeches, and debates, including helping Hillary Clinton prepare for her debates with Donald Trump, Jesus Christ. Um, and he is the co-author of a book called Compelling People, The Hidden Qualities That Make Us Influential. Um, and John, I saw this as, the, as one of the descriptions of the book. It's the first non-specialist account of modern social judgment theory. And I just wanted you to tell me what that is. What does that mean, right? Yeah. It, it, for being a communication specialist, right? It seems like that should- I, I assumed you didn't, I mean, the non-specialist account, I assumed you didn't write that, so. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it's it's written for a different audience, right? It's written for the, because it is when you when you write a book about uh, research, even if it's not for the researcher types, there's yeah. sort of this kind of researcher speak that you need to, I don't know, sometimes there. But basically what it means is in the last, oh, I don't know, decade plus a little bit, maybe the last 15 years, there's uh, been a pretty clear theory developed about how we judge each other, how we size each other up. Oh. Um, see somebody for the first time or, or over, over, um, over getting to know them, your kind of gut level sense of them. And, um, and that is now robust and approved by the academic establishment. And so this book is trying to explain that, but part of what it's trying to explain is that it's not brand new. It's not like they just came up with something that's not related to anything we've ever heard of before. In fact, the best articulation of it is, um, 
well, one version of it, it was Machiavelli. If you remember, um, like the one thing anybody knows about that dude um, was this idea, was it better for the leader to be feared or loved? Yep. And what he actually says, if you go back and you read the ancient text, he says it's best to be both, but it's hard to combine them in one person. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Um, fast forward, maybe, uh, you know, who gave him a run for his money is uh, Martin Luther King, who talks about oh love without power versus power without love. And so the idea is you have these two, and it, it, it very much tracks with male and female and all of our stereotypes about oh, interesting. Um, strength and warmth is the idea. And so okay. we, we judge people on their strength, their ability to impose their will on the world around them. Oh, I remember we talked about this during yeah, the debate prep about it. trying to balance the strength you know, and warmth. The balance of strength and warmth, that's right. Yep. And so that's what the book's about, is about cool. how to do that. Oh, oh, very cool. Okay, I could see that being useful for people. I know, how about that? I'll have to check it out. There you go, um, send you one. Okay, so yes, please. So uh, so that, that's my, my introduction of you. I'm missing lots of things. Anything else you wanna add? Oh God, no, no, my checkered career. No, that's fine. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> okay, so um, I decided to do this because I thought was I'm watching the debate and horrifically uninterested in, in just having a negative reaction to anything that Trump says, but like also thinking about what a debate is and how, you know, most people, I don't know. I think when you're watching it from outside, it it seems like, Oh, you're just, you just talk for two minutes and you know, you know what you're talking about, but, but there's so much more to it that I had to learn as a candidate. Um, So I kind of wanted to, to just have you talk to us about what a debate is or should be. Yeah. Um, what the candidates trying to kind of get across during it? Yeah. How somebody prepares for it? Mm-hmm. Um, how you, and how you have to adjust that to prepare to debate somebody like Donald Trump? Oh um, things like that. Yeah. So absolutely to kind of unpack all of that. Wow. Well, where to start? Yeah. So um, let's let's start with like what's debating supposed to be? <laughs> what's debating supposed to be. That's a great question. I mean, I think we have this sort of platonic ideal that goes back to like democracy, and there's the ideas, and you know, we we explain them all, and then we pick the best one. And I think that's a that's a really a misconception, but one that those of us who actually give a damn about governing and policy because we want to make people's lives better. So it's a trap. It's really easy for us to fall into thinking that that's what matters is what, here's what we're going to do. Okay. We're going to explain to the people how awesome our policies are going to be. And then they're going to vote for us. And, but the reality is that you're, you're really looking at that two minutes as a time to just for people to make those snap judgments. They're not going to listen. Two minutes is not enough time for policy discussion at all. Exactly. And th- so there's a, there's a kind of an Eric, I, I mean, I, you can characterize it anyway. Arrogance would not be wrong, yeah. uh, but really it's, it's more like a myopia, like just sort of thinking that everybody thinks like we do, that if we win the debate on the substance, on the policy, that everyone will say, oh, well, these, these, these people are very smart, so we should put them in charge. And the, the kind of genius and tragedy of how Republicans operate is that they actually pay attention to the science of how people make decisions. And if you pay attention to the science of how people make decisions, it's not by comparing the science. No. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's much more like what happens on Madison Avenue. Yeah. And they are selling soap. In fact, there was, a, there was this grizzled old dude who, who does uh, essentially this kind of coaching that we did together, for, but for Republicans. And he, I, he, we got in a conversation one time and he asked me he looked at me kind of wistfully he's like 
you really you really enjoy what you're doing, don't you? I'm like, yeah, I do. And and he's like, you feel good about it. I'm like, yes, 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 I do. It's like, how do you feel? He says, ah, I'm selling soap. I'm selling soap. Yeah, right. It's like it's just it's just fine. But because they're clear-eyed about it and not invested in their own preconceptions of how like Athenian democracy worked or whatever, then they they realize and recognize that they're playing on an emotional uh, playing field, right? And yeah. it's about the impressions that people make and who do you want to have in charge um, or in Congress or in wherever. Yeah, it's it's not, it, it actually has almost nothing to do with the policies at the end of the day. Sorry, I'm turning off my air conditioning, which is obnoxiously loud. So that's why you went on a little that, tour of me. That is totally fine. That's fine. See, I failed to hide to my children effectively. Oh no. Um, okay, so so that kind of, that goes back to your book, right? The it's it the those quick snap judgments of. Indeed, it does. That that's that's kind of our best account so far. If you want to get all high-minded and academic about it, of what that emotional playing field looks like. Those are the things you're trying to project that you, as the leader, can get it done. That's the strength part. And okay. that you're, you won't be a tyrant, that you're actually on the side of the people. And so it's funny, if you, if you uh, go back, polit um, political nicknames, the, the big one is happy warrior. And everybody, oh, uh -huh. that that's what you want to be. Um, yeah. You actually, uh, uh, I, how do I turn off my, how do I? Or, Your notifications. How do I turn off my Slack notifications? Make it stop. Make it stop. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll say this part again, because it's actually kind of, it's a little bit fun, and then we can dive into, oh, good old Joe. All right, preferences, I prefer that you be quiet. How do I make that? Um, so notify me about nothing. Yes, notify me. Um, okay, so um, political nicknames, the big one that is actually really useful is Happy Warrior. Even Rick Santorum was on CNN last night after the debate talking about how the thing they always used to tell me before I walked out the podium was be the Happy Warrior. And he's exactly right. It's that combination. How does he still have a fucking cock with anybody? That's just you like. Know, I mean, so. Uh, how deep sorry, that? sorry. That was my, that was, no, I, I ruined, your, ruined your story. <laughs> I mean, I think, look, uh, they, 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 it's not, I don't think it's crazy for CNN to want to have somebody from the Republican side and Oy. he lies less than some. No, oh, um, there you go. Right. It's a low bar. So no, there you go. There you go. So, so happy warrior. Happy warrior. Well, the, yes. Yeah, so there's that one, but also, you know, Sarah Palin was the master at this and her big RNC uh, convention debut speech. She called herself Mama Grizzly again. Mm -hmm. She called. She talked about being a hockey mom, not a soccer yeah. mom, mind you. Hockey mom. I'm gonna knock your teeth out and yeah. Cookies. And what was the last one? There was Mama Grizzly. There were the mom. Oh, and she she made the joke about the. She took the pig with lipstick joke and turned it into a pit bull with lipstick. So you. Got oh, so yes, very much the tough, the tough, but also mom. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of funny while we're talking about her, her approach to debating, you know, if you can, if you, she got through a debate with Joe Biden, who's no slouch about yeah. debating, and she essentially did it by having 22 prepared mini speeches. And that really was very much kind of, you give the speech and that's, that's it. Yeah. And Joe, she did, that worked for her because Joe didn't want to be seen to beaten her up too much right, so she right. kind of treated her with kid gloves and the bar was set very low and she got over it and that was okay for everybody totally um, yeah to some degree you can do a little of that but not 
in a presidential debate. It's a right. different, like they're going back and forth, even at oh, least yeah. after the two minute mute business. Right. Okay. So, so let's talk about that. So the, okay. I remember the thing that stuck with me the most, which now I'm embarrassed that the extent of my explanation is the yeah. box or the square going inside the box or outside the box. Can yeah. you just describe the box for people who um, know nothing well, about it? Like me. So the um, the message box box is that yes. the box? The, wait, wait, so wait. Basically, where you're like the audience, yeah. you want to bring them inside the box. Yes. yes, 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 yes. So, so there there are several different shapes involved in this whole thing. Right? Okay. <laughs> so there's the message box, which is sometimes called a Tully box. Sometimes Paul Tully guy, which is about what you say about you and what you say about them and what they say about you and what they say about them. That's not that box. There's okay. another box that's the graph of strength and warmth. Plotted uh -huh. in another Cartesian fashion. The thing that you are talking about is also known as the circle. Oh, okay, it's a circle, right? My bad, not a box. Yeah. I, shapes. But remember the shape. That's there. Yeah. Was, there was a shape. It's all yep. very like preschool, right? Um, but the <laughs> idea is that if you think about it as a circle or a box or whatever, from a from a Venn diagram point of view, right? The idea is that there are people inside and there are people outside. And from your audience's point of view, there's kind of two kinds of people in the world. My kind of people in here with me, and then them, the other right. outside. And so how much money is spent by Republicans trying to make just even the fact that you have a D next to your name, right? Democrats are the other. They are not from here. They don't get us. They have weird whacked out priorities. They drive Volvos and eat arugula and other things you wouldn't want to put in your body. And that that othering is a constant stream of messaging from them. Right. And so one of the first things you need to do is to establish that even though you have a D next to your name, um, and this goes beyond political too, this is just sort of persuasion in general, is before you want, before you get people to consider what you're saying, um, they're going to consider who's saying it. They're considering right. you as the messenger. Are you their kind of people? Do you get it? Right. And do you get them? them? Yeah. Do you get them? That's exactly right. Or are you one of them? And do you share you the know. same priorities and points of view? And that's exactly it. And some of that you could do by how you dress and your accent and that kind of stuff. Um, so, so when you talk about bringing somebody into the circle or yeah. putting your that that's so that, that's basically and th this is something that really stuck for me was yeah. that you're you really need to find a way of connecting with the audience. It's not about saying well. I am going to support, you know, Medicare for all because it's going to do X, Y, and Z. It's instead talking about your own experiences with the healthcare system, like how you, you know, you would have died if you didn't have access that's to right. health insurance. And yeah, that's right. And that the personal story, if you can tell a personal story and your audience can see themselves in it, that's pretty, it's hard to beat that. It really is hard to beat that in terms of just having an emotional connection because story is kind of how our brains are wired yeah. the whole time. Um, so you, you hear... Yeah, one of the, some of the big stuff that people have talked about with Joe Biden is his empathy and yeah. how people are really, you know, attracted to that or or they respect it and you know yeah. they like that he's that they can relate to the fact that he's got an addicted kid and that he's you know still a loving parent and that he's gone through tra tragedy and loss and um, so I think he does you know a really good job of putting people in the circle or he, he absolutely does and there is a. There is, you know, it's not Joe's first run at this. And um, he did look when he ran in 2008, he 
he acquitted himself very nicely and it was a great partner for Barack Obama politically, no doubt. Um, his couple of times before he was kind of a screw up and he got dismissed, even though he had lots of uh, respect from some of the stuff he'd done in the Senate. He is so, like if you, if you had to build a dude for this moment yeah. to run against Donald Trump, you could do a whole hell of a lot worse than Joe Biden because first of all, that empathy is so much more powerful because of what we've gone through as a country over yeah. the last few years that we have had none of it, that this is a total sociopath yep. um, that we've been dealing with who can't deal with, in, in fact, you know, the whole mantra that the cruelty is the point, right? So, mm -hmm. so having Joe with his empathy um, is great. The other thing though, frankly, is Joe once was known, you know, he was, he was written off by the political establishment as a gaffe machine because he said silly things and then, you know, he, you know, corn pop or whatever, I forget right. what it was. Malarkey. Malarkey, right. I love malarkey, by the way. That is just Same. a fantastic way to, to without cursing on national television. And, and it's my favorite. I said, I tweeted this last night that the uh, official drink needs to be, of the, uh, you know, if, if he wins, has to be called the malarkey and we just have to decide what drinking game. So malarkey, um, was definitely on my list of sort of drinking drinking game thing. Hitler, with, that was on some people's list too. We got <laughs> God went to but yeah. anyway, but the thing is that if he would be a gas machine by the standards of our politics, but Donald Trump is president yep. who says lunatic things all the time. And so it's, it's hard, you know, and this is, this is the kind of thing with this Hunter thing too, um, which doesn't amount to, and Joe didn't do anything there, but like, yeah, Hunter would be a liability in a different era, whatever, although, you know, frankly, there's a long tradition of presidential, you know, close relatives not necessarily behaving themselves. But when you have Jared and Ivanka. It's like, um, come on. Yeah, like, who, who should we think? You totally. Know, we're talking about this stuff. Yeah. So you, you coached Hillary when she was, or worked with Hillary when she was yes. debating. Okay, yes. so, so every time you know, it, it comes up with these things. I'm just struck by how, you know, how different it is, how the sexism plays out. And, you know, I think people give, gave Hillary a lot of grief because like, oh, she didn't, you know, debate him well. It's like, oh, fuck off. He was, that, that doesn't even, we don't even know, we didn't even know what we were dealing with at that point. And also just if Joe had been in that same situation, people would have graded it a hell of a lot differently. And, um, so I'm just wondering if you can talk about that because I, yeah, it, I love it bothers me that it's the case. But as a woman, you do have to prepare for debates differently, and you're you're faced with a lot of different bullshit because uh, of it. Absolutely, and I I think did I I think I came and visited you on behalf of Emily's List, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Emily's List. So I do a lot of work with Emily's List, a lot of work with with women in this kind of situation. Although there is no comparison between, of course, Hillary Clinton and anybody else's any other human being's experience on the planet. I totally. Think. Um, but her, you know, first of a couple of, couple of things before we, before we deconstruct it. First of all, if I may, <laughs> you know, million votes, we can, okay, whatever. But what was interesting is in the whole history of presidential polling, um, there had never been much of a shift between debate one and debate three until Hillary and Trump went hmm. at it. And yes, a couple of days later, we had the Comey letter and we all know how that story ends. But, but she actually acquitted herself very well. And she's been, she's been very public about this. She's been very hard on herself. Oh, um, I'm sure. Yeah. 
Um, because, you know, and it's like, that's the one moment that she personally could control um, when she, you know, when he was like stalking the stage right. behind her and like- but Like, and, what could she have done? Honestly, like what the hell could she have done? <laughs> it's funny you should mention that because um, those of us who were working with her have gone back to that moment a bunch of times too. So here's the best we've come up with. Um, and maybe we should keep this in our pocket, but hopefully it won't ever be needed again. Right. What she could have said. So she wanted basically her in her fantasy reliving this, you know, in, in, in purgatory for all time. She like spins on her heel and tells him to fuck off. Or I don't know. Right. Um, yeah. A lot of us would have jeered, no doubt. I'm not sure that's the best move. Um, but what she could have done, here's another thought, is she could have said something like, Donald, you seem restless. Mm. Right over there. And so what she could have done by that is basically with a little comment, she would define him continuing to stalk around. Right. Seeming restless or uneasy. And that, that makes him look bad. Yeah. But even worse would be if he then did what she told him to do. And right. And sat down because that would make him look submissive or not dominant. Right. Oh, that's a good, that's a good trap. To trap him, right? And he's yep. actually very good at laying those kind of traps for people where, where he defines what they're up to. It's right. actually one of his favorite tricks. Neither oh. um, choice makes them look um, Ugh. not. That is, it, you know how you have those moments all the time where you're like, you get pissed off at something and you're like, damn it, I should have said that. And I just, I just, have, I'm like imagining that on the fucking presidential stage against Donald Trump. And I just, I just, I would like Hillary to know how much I love her <laughs> and just the fuck that sucks. Here's the other thing in her defense and the 3 million and the whatever is if you go back and you look at that campaign, when she had her Benghazi hearings, mm -hmm. when she had her debates, people saw her being her for mm -hmm. more than just, you know, most of the time they would actually see her as opposed to hearing reports about emails and whatever else. It was when the press was shouting questions at her about the yep. freaking emails, right? Yep. And she did not look particularly great in those moments. But when she got to actually talk to people at length, um, she, people were like, I like this lady. Oh this yeah, person. oh she yeah. will be in charge. And there was a, there was a, now I would consider it a fateful decision in the fall of, was it 2015, um, where at one point the, the campaign was considering um, basically making the whole campaign a reality TV show and having it on her on her side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Side, I mean, like, there was a moment you may remember this. Um, you can go look this up um, where she went to Chipotle <laughs> got a burrito, no. and she had like sunglasses on or something like this, and and pop. She, people ate it up as her is like, like, you know, it's like us, right? They're just yeah. like, and, and people were into it and they were ready to make her a pop culture thing. And the, the email story Ugh. drove her back into the box of the whitewater defensiveness and yep. never quite escaped. Yeah. Anyway. So much to lament there, but if yeah, anyone, so I mean, yeah, whatever. I just. Debate wise, though, <laughs> she, debate wise, she was wonderful. She was, um, yeah. She, she really was good. And she, um, her, oh, what was it? It was um, Warm and Wise. Was yeah. Her version of Strength and Warm. Um, That's good. That, That's, that, that fits. The last one. Um, yeah. She, she was, she did wonderfully. She really did.
it you know and this is the thing is right success has a thousand parents and failures an orphan something like right that. right so okay so so basically the rules are different for women and biden had a had a you know he just he was able to kind of go toe to toe in a way with trump that is i think that is I, I i don't think she could have at that point and i'm just wondering you know what your observations are on that and like you know, you coached Hillary in 16. Would you have coached Biden in a different way? And I'm, I'm guessing the answer is yes, right? Like, I mean, So here's the thing that the, what the fancy new science says, right, which kind of echoes things throughout our culture about the strength and warmth thing. It, you can plot it on a graph now, but basically what it says is, guess what? It's twice as hard for women. And we are, all knew that already. Um, but essentially what it says is for a, for a straight white guy, um, they are allowed to express a broader range of emotion without suffering any social penalty. So when a straight white guy, remember there was this incident, God, years ago now, Anthony Weiner, that's not a name to think about. <laughs> he blew his stack on the floor of Congress over, I think it was over first responders, which, you know, it's obviously a very strong position, but he just lost it. He, he, he was furious and everybody cheered because they were like, oh my God, a Democrat is actually standing up for something. And, but if a, if a woman had done the same thing, especially a white woman, um, I think it might've put a very different way. So, oh, for it, sure. Right? The big thing is angry. And, and there's a funny synonym for anger, which is upset. And if a woman shows that she is upset, it taps into all of these ancient hoary stereotypes about, um, about the wandering womb and you know how women are too emotional to be trusted with anything that matters and all of this ancient sexist crap um like you can't have to keep her in charge oh my goodness um mm -hmm. and it's so much it, it, and it's so alien to the way a lot of people function on one hand but it's also still all still there and all still all still matters um so uh so for her she's she had to be extra warm this is the thing and so and this is this is a general dilemma for women is you have to the the presumption if you're if you're a guy the presumption is you're strong tough whatever right uh, women the presumption is you're warm and nurturing and all those things so to audition for a leadership position um women have to show that they can get things done and there are all kinds of um stereotypes and preconceptions and, and um, models of being a female, then I'm getting a lot of stuff done. Mom being a number one, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so you, you got to show that you can make stuff happen, but then you upset people because now you are trotting on other people's turf. And so to keep the guys from being, from being uh, jerks about that, basically, mm -hmm. you then have to be super warm. So you have right. to find the energy, not only to be strong and achieving, you then have to find the energy somewhere else to be sweet as pie. Well, it's kind of, I mean, it's, it's that dance that Kamala had to walk when yeah. she was, you know, having to say, I'm speaking, but she did it with like this huge smile and like, yes, absolutely. I don't know. Those... Here's the thing about Kamala though, and this is, this is, and I've had this conversation with her folks too, it's the research shows this is not good news, by the way, but it's news. But the research shows that Black women actually have a wider latitude 
of emotional expression available to, available to them with less social penalty. That's fascinating. It is fascinating. And it, it is good news in the sense that at least it's not a, a double penalty. Right. Because it, there is, um, there, there are plenty of social penalties that attach to being a racial minority, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a, the, the alchemy of it is funny. That, yeah. yeah, there is an angry black lady stereotype that needs to be, you got to avoid if, you're, if that's what you're playing with. But, um, but there is a way that, like Val Demings is actually a fantastic example. Yes, yeah. This, right? Um, so you can, it, it is easier to imagine a black woman leading a police force full of white dudes mm -hmm, than mm -hmm. it is imagining a, a white woman. In fact, prime suspect, if you're a fan of, um, gosh, what's her name, the British actress. Oh. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Prime suspect? I can't. Mm -mm. Is it Dame Judi Dench? It might be. No, it's the other one. Ah, anyway. Uh, but it's it's a whole the it's a cop show, but the whole premise is that there's a white lady in charge of the cops, and they don't mm. really like that, and she has to navigate that situation. Huh. I'm forgetting my British actresses' names, but anyway. Um, yeah. So so yeah, so it is just way harder now. There is some actually some newer research that says that um, that if a woman projects like super competent, like no nonsense, um, that can do, can do well against men. And, yeah. um, and that, you know, and everybody, every situation is a little different, obviously, but the, to me, the great example of that, um, is, uh, and now I'm going to have Laura Kelly in Kansas, um, who beat Chris Kobach. Thank God got rid of Chris Kobach. Um, oh gosh. Uh, for in the gubernatorial race. And she just, she totally had his number and everybody was like, he made him look like a little boy. Yeah. And it was, it was a, yeah, the comparison, she, she lined up very well there. But the, the point is just that like, it's, it's, it's much, it's, it, it's a very fine line that has to be walked by women and that, you know, you, yes. whether you like it or not, it's the reality that you're dealing with, you know? It, it is exactly the reality that you're dealing with. And it, and it is, yeah, I mean, it, look, <laughs> one way to think about this, and I remember, I'm, you know, this with Hillary, it's like, well, you want to be, you want to run it, you want, you want this job running a sexist country. Yeah. So you kind of, so, yeah, you just got to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it kind of comes with the territory. So what advice would you have given me if I were going to debate Trump? If you were going to debate Trump, oh God, that would have been so much fun. <laughs> um, no, seriously, because like y he is the opposite of fun. Yeah. Man has no friends, right? Oh, just, I just, you know, oh. I I think you would have lined up actually very well against him. Oh yeah. But you have to you have to be willing to laugh at him a little bit, and that's kind oh, of oh yeah, <laughs> totally. I don't know how I could have not, and also like right. how you how you yeah. don't eventually. I mean, I just related so much when in the first time when Biden said, "Will you shut up, man?" Like I don't know how you don't say, "Shut up," like yeah. with maybe a couple other colorful words thrown in there too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the so. thing about when he did that was it. It wasn't. He wasn't. He was exasperated, mm -hmm. but he wasn't out of control. Mm -hmm. In control. It's like, "Will you shut up, man?" Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and if he says that those same words in a different way that suggests that Trump's gotten under his skin, mm -hmm. very different thing. Very, very different thing. If he, if he did that in a way that reflected being more upset. 
Right. Um, but it, it was just like, it, it, his whole thing, and frankly, this is a lot of debating, is taking whatever the other person is saying and saying, give me a break, basically. And that's totally. the Irish for give me a break. And, you know, will you shut up, man, is a different version of that. And you're no Jack Kennedy is yeah. a different version of or, that. Or Abraham Lincoln over here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, get a load of this guy, Mr. Abraham Lincoln, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. That is exactly it. And yeah. so you would be very, yes, you, 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 that's how you roll anyway. So yeah, you would be well equipped. Now you also have to audition for the part. You don't just have to deal with the other guy. You got to present yourself. And that's where Joe Biden like strides on stage with like a nicely tied tie and a well-fitting suit. And he looks like, yeah, he's a little on the short side, whatever, but like he looks like central casting. For sure. Good guy president. Well, you've seen him as, you've seen him basically acting in that role for, you know, eight years. You saw him as the next would be, I don't know. It's just like, yeah. It's just so, like, please God, just like, we just need a break. We just want normal. I just want Uncle Joe <laughs> as my president. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. And it, it is just the return to normal that he yeah. represents in a way that, you know, I would love to see our first woman president. I would love to see our, you know, first black woman president, all of those things. We, need to get to soon yeah um, right now <laughs> just just normal vanilla is fine that's that's fine let's get back like to yeah i mean it's just like i just want boring you know yeah. i just i just want boring i just want calm cleaning up some messes would be great not being laughed at by foreign leaders not doing just cruel despicable things all the time yeah. it seems like I mean, it shouldn't be a fantasy but it, it pretty much is it, it we're close we're close I mean, yeah. I worry, this is that other conversation. I worry because the stakes for Trump, I mean, maybe maybe he's got his plane ready to go and he already knows what the dacha on the Black Sea where he can while away his days looks like. But right. you know, if he sticks around here, there are all kinds of people who want to put him in jail for a long time. For sure. And yeah, uh, yeah. so he's he's kind of playing for all the all the stakes. Oh yeah, there's no, there's there's nothing off limits at this point, but. Hopefully you don't have to use your cabin in the woods and um, hopefully, hopefully things go smoothly. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Anything you think I missed or. Oh yeah. I mean, we, it, it, do you want to, we could talk a little bit more about the specifics of last night if you wanted to. Um, it, it, yeah. Well, I guess just based on that, like specifics of last night, what do you, what are your, what are your takeaways? What are your observations? What do you think? Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm, I love Joe, big Joe fan. I missed him looking into the camera and talking mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. that more because he couldn't deal with Trump because Trump was just being ridiculous in the first one. Uh, but that led Joe to turn to the camera and talk to us directly more. And I thought that was super effective when he did that. And last yeah. time he was talking a little to Trump, it was more reasonable. And he was talking to Chris Welker, um, who was great. Um, and yeah, yes, she did do a great job. She did, and yes, there are all kinds of things she didn't fact check in real time, but you can't. There wouldn't be. A oh, please, come on. Yeah, of course you can't fact check in real time. <laughs> it's just what it is. Um, it's not apparently Leslie stalled it, so we'll hopefully get to see that kind of soon. Oh, um, yeah. That's big sixty minutes interview coming up. But so he he didn't talk to us as much, which I missed, and so it was more, he was more debating the policy, and I thought he got more aggravated with Trump 
as the night went on because Trump got more aggravating and that was fine. But yeah, he's, I've seen Joe be a happier warrior than that. So I, I don't give him the, the super A plus, but then again, compared to the other guy and the other, it's yeah. right. It's not compared against the almighty, it's compared against the alternative. So totally, totally. On that one. Um, and the, I think the, the polls were pretty clear about that, the kind of snap polls afterwards. He did a few things really well. Um, the, in fact, strategically, um, he knew that Trump would, wanted to do the Hunter Biden attack. Yeah. He saw that coming. And he pulled out something interesting, which was the, so re the release your taxes thing, which had not really been on anybody's brain because, of course, the New York Times got his taxes and we know right. what's happening. And so he's saying, like, you want me to answer for this? You haven't even released your taxes, which you've been talking to us about for years. And what was great was Trump then switched his demeanor into the, well, my account says, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I not them yet, but it should be soon. And he just sounded like an idiot. And oh, for sure. <laughs> we were all like, uh, no, you don't get audited that long. <laughs> yeah. No, come on. And, and I, you know, it was, a, it was a fleeting moment, but it was one of Trump's worst moments of the night. And it was enough to take the wind out of the sails of the Hunter Biden. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was, a, you know, just from the kind of emotional tone, back and forth struggle, that was a, that was a great moment for Joe. Good point, yeah. Um, and he, look, he did. He hit some of these other big themes like he does, where he, he you know, Trump tried to make fun of him for the, one of the few times he did talk to the camera and tell us about, you know, like us around our kitchen table kind of stuff. And Trump was like, what is, that's political. Stop that. <laughs> but that, it it's Joe, like talking to us. It's great. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I he, think- Also Trump couldn't do that if his life depended on it, so. Oh my God. Yeah, no, he, and it's true. And, and so Trump's reaction was authentic to like, he, he thinks that's a bunch of baloney, that whole empathy thing. Like, what is it with that? It's just not that's something he seems to even understand. I literally can't watch him and think, I mean, like, what, how does he ever, how do people ever feel like he's in your circle? Uh, it is a, I mean. I feel like he intentionally. What's up? I feel like he intentionally does it. Unless your circle is really like you're trying to, to find validation for your toxic masculinity and your racism and everything like that. Like, then, yeah, he speaks to that. And if you're down then, okay. and that's the circle you want, then he's all in that circle. He's that guy. He, he, this is the, what they, it's sometimes called the politics of resentment, which sounds kind of fancy, but it's the, it's the kind of enemy of your enemy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and this is Godwin's law at work, I guess, but the, the example that we all sort of know is, is Hitler. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The, you know, and apparently that's like one of Trump's favorite books is, is the collected speech. I don't even know. But the idea is that if you think your life sucks and you turn on the TV and you see all of these sort of beautiful, well-scrubbed people in nicely lit studios having fancy conversations or whatever, whatever, your gut level reaction to all of that is the hell with those guys. Yeah. They think they're fancy running the country and talk about doing right by people. Nobody's done right by me. The hell with them. Yeah. And this guy definitely speaks to that, right? Okay. And the one thing that he's given his hardcore supporters and really delivered on for them is pissing off those elites multiple for sure. times daily. Aggravates the hell out of us. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. You know, they've never had a way to get at us before. And just supporting this guy, you know, 
does make us very unhappy. <laughs> sure does. I mean, that's the deal. That's the tra yeah. emotional transaction at work. But yeah, it's for all the worst possible reasons. Yeah. So maybe, maybe we'll be rid of him soon. It, it, it's, um, I mean, Trump did a, was a really effective debater in the Republican primaries. In the what? In the Republican primaries in 2016. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's common for a sitting president to be off their game a little bit. Barack Obama, very good debater, had that too in his first debate against Mitt Romney in, in right. uh, 2012. Um, but Trump never got, he, he wasn't back to his, his top form. No. Like, he no. was, he, he didn't, he didn't make an enemy of Christian Walker. He didn't speak over her or talk outside the lines. Um, but he was, which is kind of miraculous. Honestly, I wasn't expecting that. It was kind of miraculous and definitely, you know, having set the bar so low that earned him some points. Right. Um, but he was not, he was not at his best. No, no. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah. So, great. And if everything goes to hell, well, we can talk. I'm going to come, I'm going to come to your newly furnished cabin in the woods. Yes, please. Come. <laughs> All right. Have a great night. Tell everyone I said hi. Well, I hope you enjoyed that discussion with John as much as I did. I'm really grateful for him coming on last second like this too. Um, so to wrap things up today, I just want to, take a second. I know you hear this all the time, but to kind of reflect for a moment on what we're really voting on. Cause I've, I've had a lot of people say, you know, I don't want to, I'm not excited about Joe Biden. Like, don't you feel like that's depressing or demoralizing for young people or progressive people or whatever. But the truth is what we're voting for this time is we're voting to get Trump the hell out of office and we're voting for human decency. We're voting for, um, showing that we actually want to have some respect for the office of the president and for the constitution and for the way that government is actually supposed to run. Um, you know, not just blatant corruption and ineptitude. And I don't know, it's just like, I don't even need to say any of this stuff, right? You all know it, but what we're looking for this time, it's not excitement. It's we've had excitement. We're looking for some fucking normalcy some decency and joe biden is a normal decent human being who knows what he's doing and is going to be able to actually make some things happen especially if he's got the senate and um and the house of representatives to to help him do so and frankly i'm pretty stoked about you know uh, uh, about kamala harris i was i was really proud to endorse her when she was running Anyway, this is just about how we basically fundamentally want to treat people, how Trump treats women and poor people and people of color, the LGBTQ community and every other marginalized group. It's just, it's just basic, basic stuff. And we've almost lost sight of that. I feel like sometimes where we're, we're, we've become desensitized and I recognize this in myself. Like we're not even noticing um, the horror of what he does every single day, because it's just been thing after thing after thing of throwing paper towels at families who have just experienced the worst hurricane of their lives, saying people, there are good people on both sides at white nationalist rallies, calling other countries shitholes, talking about, hey, your daughter's sex appeal, calling, you know, our fallen heroes losers. Like there's just no end to it. And what you're voting for is to try and end it. Try to just, Make that go away from 
public office. Um, it's that simple. So anyway, election week or election day is a, a week from Tuesday. I think everybody who's listening to this does not need to hear that. Um, but here you are. Go vote early. I voted. I mailed my ballot. Um, I think it's pretty much, it started in tons of states. So uh, remember, you can go to vote.org, get all your information there. Um, and vote now. Like, don't wait until the election day because it's, it's just not worth the risk. Just if you can get your ballot now and vote now, do so. And if not, make your plan for election day that consists of waiting in line because I, I have a feeling that we're going to see some seriously historic turnout this time around. Um, my website at nakedpoliticspodcast.com has a tab called vote. If you click on it and um, you'll get redirected to vote.org, that resource I was just talking about that can help you vote. It can help you get a sample ballot. It'll tell you where you need to vote, if you need an ID, any other rules that are specific to your state. Um, I'mavoter.com is great too. Also, October 24th is National Vote Early Day. You can sign up for text reminders and check your status. Um, yeah, there are tons of great resources out there. So tell your friends, tell your family, make phone calls, send text messages, make sure that everybody you know has a voting plan. Um, and let's just get this motherfucker out of office. Thanks again to John for joining me. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your Friday and enjoy your weekend. And we'll talk to you soon. 